0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast, the First Christian Church of St. Paul, located in Roseville, Minnesota. We are a congregation of Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, a congregation that is united in Christ for the sake of the world. Join us for worship in person or via our live stream, Sundays at 11 a.m. You can learn more about us by going to FCCStPaul.org. Here is this week's sermon.
1: Please pray with me. O oh, gracious God, into a broken and hurting world you come. You don't come as a victor, but you come as a child. You come in humbleness and lowliness. In your sacrifice, we have a hope that does not die. We have a hope that lives eternally in your good news. O gracious God, in the darkness of these days, shine a light so that darkness might be overcome let us reflect that living, abiding love that cast out the darkness. God, I humbly ask that the words I speak in the meditations of our hearts and minds might enable us to do that. In Jesus Christ, amen. Reading from Matthew, chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. Now let us attend to God's wisdom for us today. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up! Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child and destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I call my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. He sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. When this was fulfilled, what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramallah, a wailing, a loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled, because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were seeking the child's life are dead Joseph got up and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel but when he heard Arthenius was still was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod he was afraid to go there after being warned in a dream he went away to the district of Galilee There he was made a home in the town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled, that he will be called a Nazarene. This ends this reading of this holy word. May it be good news to us. One of the crushes that I saw as I was flipping through Facebook kind of summed up an important moment that doesn't get spoken about in this text, but I think helps frame our conversation it's a weird transition to read this text in light of what we read on christmas eve and christmas the image of this crest is joseph putting his arm around mary and mary huddling around jesus and they're all asleep There is a sense of warmth, of comfort, of hope. There's a sense of this is where we ought to be. And then you get this text. You get this text. A text which is almost the exact opposite of that experience. For me, this text speaks to something deep. July 1st, 2018, my family, Momoko, we walked the streets of Minneapolis because of the things that were happening due to Donald Trump's new um, policies around immigrants. As a part of this protest, we carried signs, the sign I have here today, my savior, was an undocumented refugee. There really isn't much to talk about with the sign. It came to me right before we left, when we were hurrying to try to figure out what we were going to carry. It strikes me because I took my, I came with my collar because I think this is what theology looks like when you do it. There is something profound about the affirmation that Jesus leads us to explore encountering the divine in refugees that we face in our context. Now, I want to sit with this simple statement. The statement or the confession, my savior was an undocumented refugee. A refugee. When I look at the story of any refugee, what I see is the gospel being proclaimed. I see someone who wants to passionately grow. Who is willing to sacrifice all that they know, all that they have come to understand, so that they may continue to exist in a new land. Someone who is willing to suffer, who's also willing to go through changes so that they can keep on existing. Second word, undocumented. This acknowledges that we have a duty to care for someone, even when we don't know who they are. It's profound when you look in the Gospel of Matthew, verses 25 through 30, 20, in chapter 25, verses 31 through 40, we have this famous vision of what the end of time will be when the ruler of the world will come down and separate the goats from the sheep, as we know that text. We are always really concerned where we're going to fit in. Are we going to be in the goat group or are we going to be in the sheep group? The thing that always fascinates me about this text, the thing that I find myself drawn to is not so much which group I'm going to be in, but the responses that both groups give to the statement of who and why they are where they are. The king says, well, you didn't serve me, therefore... You're put in this place. Or you served me, therefore you are put in this place. And both sides say the exact same thing. We didn't know you. We didn't recognize who you were. When did we serve you? The king says, when you do it to the least of these, my brethren, you might as well have done it to me. The profound nature of that simple statement, the paradoxical nature of those couple of verses is so deeply profound because it says something. First of all, we all know that we should not expect God to be where we expect God to be. Second of all, we need to expect God to be where we least expect God to be. To acknowledge we have a responsibility to care for those who are refugees is not to say in some simple terms, well, you deserve your care because you are a refugee no the reason why we do this is because we fundamentally don't know who they are but we also see that there is suffering and we have a responsibility to respond to that suffering To understand our national citizenship has no relevance as humans, we are all potentially a part of the citizenship of the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. In understanding the nature of what it means to care—it means, at some fundamental, it doesn't matter where you come from. It matters who you are and whose you are. Ultimately, in this confession, we come away seeing to serve. The refugees is to care for the image of the divine seeking to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I come to the probably hardest part of this conversation. I don't know what to write here, if I'm honest with you. In this confession, we come away seeing that the service of refugees, we care for the image of the divine by seeking the, to enter the kingdom of God. The recent past few weeks, there has been much discussion about Title 42, a policy implemented by the previous administration that bars people from entry into the United States. And it has found its way through the courts and the executive branch. I hate to be cynical in this moment, but I don't think it really matters. I don't think it matters whether this thing is continued to be implemented or not. Because this is one of the profound problems that we we deal with refugees and immigration because often we have these moments and times where There are these moments that crystallize our care and our need, but the reality is is that that problem exists in a much wider global sense. And while, whether this policy remains or not, Those people still need care. Those people still need a roof over their heads. Those people still need food. Those people still need clothing. And they don't just need it, but a whole host of people throughout the world need it. What do we do as Christians? We need to work for comprehensive immigration reform, not just nationally, but globally also. Understanding that there are problems beyond our borders that affect the ability for refugees to come to our borders. We need to, in fact, an international politics and an international policy that tries to reduce the causes of these refugees, promoting rule of government, representational governance, constitutional governance, where all people. Are cared for. How do we do that? I don't have any easy answer for you. However, in reflecting on what I would wish there to be, what I would hope there to be, there are these three values that I think are foundational to any solution. First of all, looking at Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 5, there's a statement. It is a statement around how the priests are supposed to sacrifice what is seen as maybe the first fruits in the temple. And the statement goes, my father was a wandering Aramean. Then it speaks about how lowly he was and how he came to this place to build a mighty nation. For a nation founded with immigrants, this is a profound piece of scripture. One that for people who look like me, we have to understand that our privilege comes because somebody else gave us sanctuary when it was not in their favor. Whatever benefits we have, come from that act. Second of all, people who have been through trauma need safety in relationship. If we're going to build beyond the problems of today, We have to be willing to reach out to those who are hurting to build healthy relationships so that they can feel safe. When I look at the way we implement the policies of our immigration and refugee, that is the last thing on the minds of many of those who are coming up with this policy. But it should be the first, Because if we are to have a person become a citizen, they have to feel comfortable in this new land that they find themselves. The reality is, is where they're coming from, their government did not, was not, and should not have been trusted. That's why they're at our borders. We have a duty to go beyond the expectation to be more. That cost is real. I'm not going to challenge that. But the benefits are also real. Finally, all people have a unique call marshaling the resources and freedoms so that we can so that they can grow into it and so that we can further humanity entering into the kingdom of God through the task of ministry. To do ministry at its fundamental level is to see a need to marshal the resources that we have to help that need and to have that person become something more than what they were, more than their need. It is not about breeding a kind of dependence, but it is about living into interdependence where we value those who have been valued less. Ultimately, if we are to proclaim the gospel, if we are to encounter the revealed truth of God living among us, in the least of these, we have to understand that our ministry has to grow out of a sense of duty to help all people to grow into what God has for them. May it be so for us. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: We hope this week's sermon was nourishment for your soul. If you would like to listen to past sermons, watch past worship services, leave a prayer request, or get directions to our worship location, please visit our website at FCCStPaul.org. May God be with you on your daily journey.